You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. It's great to see you all. Hi, Paulette. Um, It's great to see you all and to be here. I just want to start out by saying thank you to Peter and to the elders for the opportunity to come and to share this morning. Uh, want to show, I want to share a little bit of our story and a little bit of what I feel like God's put in my heart for us this morning, and, uh, but I want to start by uh, just opening in prayer again. So Lord, I want to thank you that you are um, you're a man of your word, God, that you share uh, your heart with us, and Lord, that you don't leave us in the dark, but you bring us into the light. So Father, I pray this morning that as, as I share the things you've put on my heart, that they'll touch our hearts and we'll respond in a way that would glorify and please you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. So, so, so a lot of you would know, uh, know us, but some of you may not. Some of you who are newer to Heritage, so I'll just give you a quick little uh, recap of who we are and how we got here, and then I'll kind of weave that a little bit of our story into the message this morning. But uh, So my name is Lon. Um, I'm, my claim to fame is I'm Ryan's dad, and... Um, <laughs> Uh, she said in the first service, if it wasn't for me, she wouldn't be here. And uh, that's true in so many ways. Um, so uh, so uh, my, this is my wife, Ann Margaret. Um, yeah, better, half. better half, definitely. No doubt about it. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't believe in saints, you haven't met Ann Margaret. Um, because she's married to me. And uh, so we've been married for 31 years. We have three children. Ryan's the oldest. And we have a son who is 23. His name's Nick, and he is in South Africa with our younger daughter, Carly, who is 21. Uh, she's finishing her studies. He's involved in, the, um, in a church there in a discipleship program. He's in his second year, and he's hoping to go into a third year next year. Um, so we, uh, we have been... Uh, well, just to go back. So Margaret and I first started out in ministry back when we were young, and uh, I had more hair or some hair. Um, and uh, we had just gotten married. We uh, took a position. Uh, I was a junior high youth minister and, uh, and Margaret and I did that for several years. Uh, Jared and I had lunch uh, a couple days ago. And we were, uh, we were, um, we were talking about how that was like, that, that was like the greatest job. Jay, we're all jealous of you. That's the greatest job to get to work with young people. They're so full of life. And so we did that for several years. And then about 1996, we felt God call us. Well, I don't know if God called us as much as we came down to visit my sister, Paulette, who's back there. She had moved here. She was an original, uh, original uh, homeowner in Marblehead where Rick lives. And uh, she, uh, we came down to visit her. And I remember we were standing out and looking at a bluff, not, not unlike this, we might have been looking at the ocean and kind of just looking around in San Clemente and thinking, I said to Aunt Margaret, I said, well, why would you want to live anywhere but here? And so when God called us to plant a church, it was natural to say, I think San Clemente needs another church. So uh, in 1996, we moved down here. We planted a church. It's called South Coast Church. It's, uh, I think they, they're meeting at Lobos Park right now. And um, so we did that for several years. And then through a series of events in time, and we ended up here at Heritage. I think we started at Heritage about 2007. And uh, I think we were here for about 10 years, and I was an elder for probably five of those years, um, and really felt like God knitted our heart to this community, God added our heart to this community. Uh, But about six years ago, God started to speak to us and started to move 
our hearts, to shift our hearts. It was one of those things where, you know, uh, God kind of suddenly gets your attention by speaking. And so um, God began to speak to us about relocating to Africa, to step into um, sort of like becoming missionaries. I remember when I was a young uh, youth leader and I would, I, would, uh, I would share on a Sunday, I would teach Sunday school to the kids. And I remember, I remember saying this, I was probably, you know, this is probably close to 40 years ago, but I remember saying this. So God, what, imagine if God called you to do something really crazy, like be a missionary to Africa. And here I am close to 40 years later, I'm a missionary in Africa. And I've got to tell you guys, it was, it was one of the most amazing experiences of our lives. We, um, we, uh, we, like I said, God began to speak to us about six years ago and over a three-year period, we just kept hearing God say, go to Africa, go to Africa, go to Africa. Didn't know what we were going to do. Didn't know why God was calling us there. Didn't know what God had in store for us. But we just kept hearing God say, go, go, go. Peter tells a story that we'd go to lunch and I'd be like talking about how, you know, I think we're supposed to go and, but how are we going to do it? And, you know, what about the, and he said, he said, he finally said, just go already. And I said, okay. And so in 2017, we, uh, we packed some suitcases, packed up our house and packed up my business and packed up, you know, you know, we left friends and family in this comfortable San Clemente life and Got, in our, got our suitcases, got on a plane, and we went to South Africa with our youngest daughter. Our son was already there and um, began embarking on this journey that was, at this, as much as it was exciting, it was, it was, that, it was that scary. And what I've learned, and, and we learned so much through that experience um, as, uh, as, as, as a husband and wife, as parents, as as Christians, we learn so much about uh, how God takes us through seasons of transition. And so the message, my message this morning is called Transitions. And I want to talk to us around the idea of what do we do? How do we, how do we um, go through periods of transitions, transition in a way that like brings glory to God and we stay within the will of God and we go where God wants us to go. And um, I'll tell you, like, uh, when I first, first sat down and talked to Anne Margaret, I said, I really feel like God's calling us to go. I mean, Anne Margaret had a very clear and decisive answer for me, and it was no. <laughs> she said, hey, listen, we've got a nice life here. We've got a nice house and a nice neighborhood. You've got a great job. We, our kids are, you know, growing up, you know, we have this great, comfortable San Clemente life. And she's like, I don't, I'm not ready to leave that. But as, as God does, he kept showing up over and over again in different ways. He kept speaking to us in different ways. And then we go and we get on this plane and we get to this, we get to uh, a place in South Africa called Wellington. And it's like this little tiny town, like kind of like, it's a little farm town and um, it feels a bit like being in the Midwest and, uh, here we are and we're there and we don't know why God's brought us there. We didn't know what God wanted to do. We just knew that God like kind of like upended our life. And here we are in this moment. It's like, and I remember that feeling of like, I'd never been so certain of where God was leading me and yet so 
uncomfortable with where I was. It was like, God, what am I, what are we doing here? I've made this terrible mistake. And transition can feel like that, right? Transition can feel very scary and it can be really, it can, it can make you really nervous. I was thinking, I had this picture of like one of those, you know, in the movies when you see like those rope bridges that go from like, they go across a big crevasse and they go from one, one uh, cliff to the other across this rope bridge. And it's got these, you know, it's like, I'm picturing the ones with like the, the rotted planks and the, and the person's like, you know, they, and, he, and you got the ropes and you're holding on and the planks are breaking underneath you. And it's like, we've all seen it in a hundred movies, a hundred times. And that's kind of what transition feels like sometimes. And it's like, you, 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 uh, you're so grateful for that rope to hold on to. Because if you didn't have the rope, you'd probably fall through and, and, and that'd be the end. And I sometimes feel like God's kind of like that rope that we hold on to as we're going across from one thing, from one stable place to a, another stable place, but there's that time in between. And we all kind of like, right, like it's not just me, <laughs> that's going through transition. It's not just Anne, Margaret and I, because now we spend our three years in South Africa. We had, um, some, we had an amazing uh, time there, but now we're in another transition because God has called us to come back. And it took us, it took a lot of faith for us to say, hey, we're going to go. You know, like, you know, like I think about Abram, how um, it says that in Hebrews, it talks about how he went out not knowing where he was going. And I knew, we knew where we were going. We just didn't know what it was going to be like when we went there. We knew where we were going geographically, but we didn't know where we were going kingdom-wise. And so now we're back in that place of like, we've transitioned back into coming back here. And again, I think in some ways it took more faith for us to come back than it took for us to go. To tell you a little bit about our time there. So we, um, we, we arrived there at around September, October, 2017. We had gone with sort of open hands and just said to, to the leader there, we said, listen, we feel like God's calling us to come. We don't have any expectations about how you're going to use us or if you're going to use us. We just know God's called us to come. So here we come. We arrived there and, and uh, we spent a few months kind of getting acclimated. And then after about being there for almost you know, a little less than a year, we were asked to help lead a congregation there. Um, it, was a, it was a large congregation in the church, and, um, and it was a congregation that was in what, would, what you, would, you might have considered crisis, or, or it, was in, it was in a difficult spot. And for some reason, God chose us to lead that thing. And so we went through a season of trying to bring a, a congregation that was in crisis and was unhealthy to a place of health. And, and fortunately, over that time, we were able to, to, uh, to um, put together a really strong, healthy eldership team. We were, help, we were able to help shepherd the congregation from a place of you know, kind of dysfunction into health. And it was like an amazing opportunity, amazing experience we also, at the same time, were asked to help lead a ministry to the poor there called Akila Temba. And we led that for, we let, we had been, I'd been connected with them for several years. And we were, we, I, could, I would love to be able to share testimony after testimony of how God used that time to, I mean, just something, something like Chris Marshall. You all know Chris Marshall and kids around the world. Now, Chris came there on other business and we connected with them. And he said, hey, we, we give five, we give a, we, we ship a million 
meals a year to Parle, which is the kind of next town over from where we were. And I said, well, can you give us some? And he said, yeah. And so through, um, through a, long, a long conversation, we were able to, uh, we had uh, Heritage actually help pay for the shipping, and we received 135,000 meals right as lockdown began there. It was a strict lockdown there. Many people would not have income, and we were able to feed literally thousands of people because of it. And so we went over there kind of not knowing what we'd be doing, and God had all these surprises in store for us. And now we've come back, and we're like, okay, God, we're ready for the surprises. But this morning, I want to talk about how do we, how do we position ourselves in times of transition? And I want us to look at Isaiah chapter 6, and this, this portion of Scripture has been rattling around in my spirit for, for a while, and I felt like I wanted to share some of the things that God was showing me through it. So if you have your Bibles and you want to open up to Isaiah chapter 6, verses, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and then I want to just pick out some things I feel like God's shown me that might be applic- applicable to, to you, to us, to heritage, to... Southern California COVID to uh, a nation that's about uh, ready to have an election and, and possible, you know, more change. Um, but it says in chapter six, verse one, if you'll just listen along with me, it says in the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hands a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned for. Thank God. And I heard a voice. I heard the vo- I heard a voice. The voice of the Lord saying, "Whom shall I send, and who will go for us?" Then I said, "Here I am. Here I am. Send me." And I and I and he said, "Go." And 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 so, you get this picture of Isaiah, of Isaiah, and he's in a time of transition. It says, "In the year that King." Uzziah died. King Uzziah was actually Isaiah's cousin. He, um, so he had a, a close relationship with King Uzziah. It was, he, King, king Uzziah had been the king, I think it was uh, about 40 years maybe. I could be wrong, maybe 42. And he had, so that was what Isaiah knew. Um, the book of Isaiah is very, it's a very interesting book. Um, it actually kind of encapsulates the whole message of the Old and New Testament into one book. Um, David Pawson in his book 
unlocking the Bible says, if you really want to know the Bible, you need to get to know Isaiah. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah is the, is the book of the Old Testament that Jesus and the apostle Paul quoted most often. So I think when you, when Jesus is quoted that book, the most often it, it demands our attention. It means we should get in there and try and figure out some things about God that are encapsulated, that are hidden in the book of Isaiah. So here you have Isaiah. It's the year the king Isaiah died. It's his cousins died. He's a king. It's what he's known. And now he's in transition. He's like, okay, what's going to happen next? What, what's God doing now? Not unlike what many of us are experiencing with all the things that are going, around, going on around us. What's God going to do now? Maybe even just in your personal life. I know that many people have had, you know, their, their job situation shift and their finances. And, and some of us are feeling, and you're like, and, uh, and, 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 and Margaret and I are in that same, same spot. People keep saying, okay, what are you going to do now? I'm like, I don't know. We're just waiting to see what God wants us to do. And so here's, King, here's, here's Isaiah. And the king's died. And he's in transition. And he doesn't know what's going to happen next. And how does he respond? It says, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. See, Isaiah, in this time of transition, in this time of uncertainty, did what we all need to be doing in times of transition, in times of uncertainty. He went and sought the Lord. See, Isaiah didn't find, he didn't like... He didn't see the Lord because it was just random. He was seeking the Lord. And it says, I saw him seated on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah saw the glory of God. For those of us who may be in that moment of like, ah, man, I do not like where things are. Maybe you can't turn your television on because it's just, there's just too much uncertainty. There's too much, too much bad news around you. Maybe you're just nervous all the time. Maybe it's a difficult time for you. And Isaiah did, and can you imagine what would it do for you today? How would it change things for you today if you, like Isaiah, could say, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. I glimpsed the glory of God. Do you think that is possible? You might be a little less nervous. Do you think that's possible that you might be a little less invested in who the next president is? You might be a little less invested in, hey, are we going to have to wear masks for the rest of our lives? Are we going to be able to eat inside restaurants again? Do you think that maybe you'd feel a little more safe and secure if you could, like Isaiah, say, I saw the Lord seated on a throne. I saw him in his glory. Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, when the disciples go with Jesus and and, and Moses is there and Elijah is there and they see the glory of God there. And they say, let's just build, let's just like put up tents here and let's stay here. Do you think that maybe if we were the kind of people and some of us are, and some of us just have been, and some of us will be where we could say, man, I just, 
I can't take my eyes off Jesus. I'm so overwhelmed with peace. You know, I've walked with God for a long time. I think I got saved when I was about 13 years old. I have a birthday coming up. I'm not going to tell you what birthday it is, but I can just say that I will be eligible to uh, join the ARP <laughs> in about two weeks. So um, that's, not exa- that's not something I'm celebrating, guys. Um, but, uh, but I've been around a long time. And I've been through a lot of things. I've been through a lot of transitions in my life. I've been through a lot of those moments where it's like, ooh, what's God going to do now? How's God going to, you know, what's God going to do next? I'll tell you, I've never known the peace of God like those times when you hear his voice, when you know he's there, when you sense his presence. What do we do in times of transitions? How do we navigate our way through uncertainty and and fear and panic and dread and we do what Isaiah did we press into his presence first thing Isaiah did was he went to the throne he said I saw the Lord he saw his face he saw his glory the next thing he did was he asked God or he or he he actually had a revelation with in the presence of God about what it about who he was. See, often we get a little bit over, we have an overinflated sense of our ability to control things. We want to control things. So we so our business ha- hits a difficult time and we just say, okay, we're just gonna work harder. Or our family hits a difficult spot and we think, well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to like force more family time or our church goes through crisis and we think, well, we got to take, take the reins and take control or our nation. And, and what did Isaiah experience when he was in God's presence? First thing he said, he saw who Jesus is. He saw who God is. Man, if there's one thing that's going to humble you, if there's one thing that's going to remind you of who you are, It's being in God's presence. And that's what it did for Isaiah. He said, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And I think one of the purposes and one of the powerful um, results of being in God's presence is it just reminds us of who we are. And I think in times like this, we need to be reminded of our dependence on him. We need to be reminded that it's not all about me and what I can do. It's all about him and what he can do. It's like being on that rope bridge and having your hands on those ropes and realizing if these ropes give away, away, man, I'm done for. And I think a lot of times we need to have that kind of sense of God, who God is. Man, if I take, if I release my grip off God, if I let go of God, if I let go of Jesus right now, I am done for. I think God wants to remind us of that. He wants to remind us that, man, we don't have to be afraid. We as believers don't have to feel like we can fix it or have to fix it. But all we have to do is hold on to him. 
and he'll take us across that rope bridge. He'll take us from, from solid ground to solid ground, but in the middle, we learn how to trust him. The next thing we see there with, um, with Isaiah is that he allows God to cleanse him or to take away his sinfulness, his sinful attitudes. Um, you know, there's a lot of times that God is going to do things differently than the way we want him to do them. Man, I, I would have loved if God had said, hey, listen, I'm going to send you to Africa for the next three years, but let me just pad your bank account. So here, here's the winning lottery ticket. You're going to have more money than, you know, you're going you're to have the, enough money for the rest of your life. You're not going to have to worry about, but he didn't do that. We, we had to go there with like no promises. I mean, God blessed us. You know, it's interesting because God did bless us like kind of blessed our socks off uh, financially before we left. But you know that, that you know, we planned, we planned and went through that process for three years and it wasn't until the last three months that God provided the resources. It wasn't until we bought plane tickets. Wow. It wasn't until we began to make plans and, and put and position ourselves. That last three months, man, God overwhelmingly blessed us. I could tell you stories and you'd be like, those are good stories. And they were God stories. 100% without question, God stories. I remember, I'm going to tell you one. How much time do I have, Peter? Okay, go for it. So I'm going to tell you a story that is a heritage-related story, um, kind of. So it was exactly three months before we were ready to leave. And we did have plane tickets. In fact, um, I said, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And he said, buy plane tickets. So I bought plane tickets. Not knowing how we were going to do the financial part, not knowing that stuff. And three months, almost to the day before we left, uh, um, I heard God speak to me. And I heard him say, streams in the desert, or rivers, rivers in the desert. And so I went to, I think it was Isaiah 43, 18, that says, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Have you not perceived it? I'll make a way in the wilderness and give you rivers in the desert. And I was, uh, and I knew that at that moment, God was um, talking about money. And so God spoke to me. He said, I'm going to give you rivers in the desert. Later that day, I get a text from a friend. Hey, there's someone I want to introduce you to. And I said, well, who is it? And he goes, well, it's a real estate thing. You know, you guys know I did I sold real estate. And, um, and I said, okay, well, so, all right. This is within an hour of God speaking to me. So I end up meeting the lady later that day. I end up, um, she ends up signing a contract for me to sell her house. Um, I end up selling her house and it was, um, it was the biggest paycheck. I think it was the biggest paycheck I ever received. And, and it was much more, not just much, it was much, 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 much more than what I normally would. And then, and then I'm not done because that's a great story. That's a great, that's a great story already. And then, um, while that, that is in process, I'm walking on the San Clemente Beach Trail, which is my favorite place in town. And I'm talking to God and, you know, I, I, you know, I was, a little bit, uh, the British would call it cheeky. 
And I said, you know, God, that's really, that, that, uh, that's really great, but that, uh, that verse says it's rivers. <laughs> that's just one river, but that verse says rivers. And so I, uh, I get another text. I'm not kidding. I get another text from a friend. Hey, do you want to sell a, a, a triplex on the Balboa Peninsula? Okay. That paycheck was just as big as the other paycheck. I'm actually on a plane on my way to South Africa while these escrows are closing. My friend had to finish them off for me. But that didn't happen until I bought plane tickets. Didn't happen three years earlier when God began to speak. It happened when I got on that rope bridge and I just said, okay, God, I'm just going to hold on to you. And I'm just going to trust you that you're going to get me through this because I know that you're faithful. Because over 40 plus years of walking with God, I'd seen God's faithfulness over and over and over again. And let me ask you this morning, how many times have you seen God's faithfulness? I had, a, I had you know, for the most part when we were there, we, we almost didn't think about money because God just kept providing financially. And um, there was one month where I was like, okay, how am I going to pay? How am I going to pay the bills this month? And uh, one of our friends, some of you know, um, texted me and said, hey, hey we want to give you some money. How do we do it? And, and he goes, and it's this amount. And I'm like, that's interesting. That's about exactly how much we need this month. So I'm like, all right, God. So like, you know, like, like most of us, you know, like I'm like, I'm a little slow on the uptake. And um, the next month I'm kind of fretting about how we're going to pay our bills this month. And I was so, God just has this way. He says, uh, hey, well, didn't I take care of last month? And I said, yeah. He goes, then what are you worrying about? And God took care of us. And we, and then Margaret will tell you, and I'll tell you, we didn't want for anything while we were there. Actually, God, actually, God was so generous with us that um, all we can do is testify about his faithfulness. But it's like when you're on that rope bridge, you just got to hold on because God's faithful. Because he's not going to let you fall. He's not going to let you crash to the ground. He hasn't yet. And it says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're all surrounded by this, all this uncertainty and all these things that are happening around us. And our tendency and our, and our uh, default is to want to get nervous. And I'm saying, don't get nervous. Get into God's presence. Say, God, you know what? Man, when I see you, I see me. And Lord, will you just touch me? And so, um, and sometimes that means... You can't have it your way. <laughs> Remember the old Burger King commercial? Have it your way? Have it your way, man. Don't we all want to have it our way? And don't we all, even with God, we just want to have it our way. How many times has God like say, okay, I'm going to do this. And you're like, okay, do it this way. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it my way. And sometimes even with things that are precious with us, God's going to do it his way. I think about the story of our son. One of our great testimonies of our time in South Africa was what God did in our son's life. We saw our son go from someone who was very away from God. Our, son's an, our son has an extreme personality. I think he gets a little of that from me, but he's even more extreme. So when he was in the world, he was good at it. But now he's in the kingdom. 
and he's good at it. God took our son from, from being completely away from God to he's serving Jesus. He loves Jesus. He's on fire for God. He's, 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 he's a testimony of God's faithfulness. God didn't do it the way I would do it. Man, I, I, can, I can say that I've never seen God pursue anyone the way I've seen him pursue my son. But man, he did it. And I think about my friend Ashley, who uh, shared this quote with me. I don't think it was Ashley's quote. I think he just shared it with me. And he said, um, get ready for this one. You might want to write this one down because this is a good one. It's not mine. I wish I could take credit for it. It's that good. But he said, there are people waiting for you on the other side of your obedience. And there are times in our life when God's going to call us to cross over that rope bridge from something that we know to something we don't know. And it's not just because he wants to get us over there. It's because there's other people over there that you're going to bring something of the kingdom of God to. And you're going to see their lives radically shifted and transformed. Not because of who you are, but because you just were willing to go and be obedient to God. And we saw that in our son's life. We saw that if we, if we hadn't gone, we don't know where he'd be. But because we did, we saw that God got a hold of his life. There are people waiting for you on the other side of your obedience, uh, on the other side of your willingness to say, I trust you, God, regardless of what I see around me, regardless of what's happening at my church, in my family, in my neighborhood, in my city, in my state, in my... I trust you, God. There are people waiting for you on the other side of your obedience. John Wimber said, you know John Wimber, who is the, uh, he was the founder of the Vineyard Movement, great man of God, he said, we're all just change in Jesus' pocket. He can spend us any way he wants to. Let me ask you this today. Are you changing Jesus' pocket? Or do you want things your way? Do you want what you want? And, it, you know, like, you're cool with what God wants as long as it lines up with what you want. Or are you changing his pocket? Are you willing to say, God, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to take me? Are you willing to say with your church, this church, man, God, whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, you may be looking around and saying, man, I don't know if I like, you know, I don't know about that Peter guy. I'm not so sure about him. I mean, we can be honest, right, Peter? No. No. <laughs> I mean, I can be honest and say, you know, like, not everybody likes me. I mean, there might be, you know, one or two people out there. I'm a little nervous because Elvira's looking, it's like, she's giving me this stink eye. There might be one or two that saying, I don't know if I like Peter. I'm not, I'm not sure about that guy. We love him. Awesome. But how many of us are willing to say, God, you know what? Doesn't matter what I like or don't like. I know that you all like Peter. I'm, not, I'm just using this as an example. But man, I, I want what God likes. And the Bible says very clearly that God establishes all authority. And so, man, I, I just want to encourage us. Like we just say, man, God, if he's your guy, he's my guy. If, if, God, if, God, if you're saying, Peter, you lead, man, I'm going to follow. I'm going to be, in, in fact, I'm going to be at the front of the pack following. I'm going to be the one that's there saying, hey, can I hold up your arms? Just like those guys that held up Moses' arms. 
Because I believe that God wants to do something really exciting here at Heritage. I believe that God's got a plan for Heritage. I believe that God wants to do something new at Heritage. I, I don't know what or why or how. I just know that all of a sudden God is doing, God is like, all of a sudden, like, it's like, you know, if you imagine God like making a loaf of bread and, he's, and all of a sudden he's kneading, this, he's kneading this dough that is Heritage. And he says, man, um, there's, this, there's some, like, there's some ingredients missing. And he goes and begins, he begins to like go find some ingredients. And he says, oh, wait, there's the bay leaves. Let's just put them back into the dough. Let's, put, let's get them back into this dough. And there's, and there's Gary Ray yeah. off in Nashville doing his thing. And God says, and he, and, and, and like, you know, we all think, hey, oh, I have an idea. I'll go back to California. You know, but God says, hey, you know what? Actually, let's put the rays back in this, this and let's put those ingredients back in this dough. He says, okay, like, I, mean, it's, I, don't, I think it's a secret. The fannings are back. I, I think I, I think I like, uh, I think I let the cat out of the bag, but God's needing that. And what about the Waylands? They're all the way 10,000 miles away. It's literally 10,000 miles away. It's about as far away as you can get. It's 30 hours. It was at 30. No, it was like 34 hours of travel for us to get here with a mask on. With the, the flight attendants are in jumpsuits and they said... They walk by, they hand you a box, say, here's your food, and it's a bottle of water and the biggest piece of bread with like the little piece of cheese on it. And it's like, it's about as far, as far away as you can get. But God says, let's take these ingredients and let's mix them back in and let's see what, see, let's, let's, and God knows what he's doing. And we trust him and say, God, do what you're going to do. You know what else Isaiah did? He saw God, he saw himself, he got... He got cleansed from all of his attitudes and his Isaiah-isms. And then God said, who will go for us? Whom shall we send? And he said, here am I. And I don't think God brought, you know, the rays back and the Waylands back and, the fan and, all, and, all, and some of you other people who like have so suddenly felt compelled to come back because... He wasn't just doing it randomly, but he's doing something. And it's because he wants to, he wants to, uh, he wants to enlist us in what he's doing. He wants to enlist you in what he's doing. This isn't a club. It isn't a cruise ship as Peter preached a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> it's actually a fishing vessel. And we've been called to come and serve him and do things his way. I'm reminded that the, the, the gospel tells me my, the invitation from Jesus is that I come and die. It's not that I come and have things my way, but it's I come and lay down my life and die. And I, and I told the people in Cape Town as we were saying goodbye to our beloved congregation that we loved being there. We loved leading them. They loved us. We were at home. They were family. Some of you saw my, met my friend Mervis, who was here last year. I love Mervis. He's like a brother to me. The only time I get choked up thinking about leaving was talking about Mervis because he's like my brother. And we loved it there. 
And yet God said, okay, time to go back to heritage. We felt like God said, it's time to go back. We didn't say, hey, I want to go back. Hey, this is what I want. Hey, this would be a good idea. I, I, you know, <clears throat> don't tell anyone, but I didn't miss Southern California. <laughs> I don't miss the traffic and the hikes and the expenses and the crowded. And I don't miss that. But <clears throat> what, I, what I was telling our, the congregation was we're changing God's pocket. If he wants us in San Clemente, we're in San Clemente. If he wants us in Cape Town, we're in Cape Town. If he wants us in Uganda, we're in San Clemente. How do you guys know that one day I'm going to end up in Uganda? Because I keep making that joke, even though I know I shouldn't make that joke. So this morning, I want to give us an opportunity to respond to what I feel like God has been saying to us, speaking to us. I woke up yesterday morning with this, like I had a different, I mean, it was still Isaiah 6, but I had a different preach that I'd prepared and spent time with, but I kept hearing God say in my voice, I woke up in my ear, I, I woke up to in the year that King Uzziah died, in the year that King Uzziah died. And I, I heard him say, transition, transition. Heritage is in transition. Southern California is in transition. The Americas are in transition. The world is in transition. And I woke up with him saying, you know, if we, if we will respond rightly in transition, then we can get to the other side and see what God wants to do. Amen. Man, we didn't choose. It wasn't our idea to come back to heritage, but God has this way of like confirming his voice, his word. And we didn't even receive a lot of prophetic words. We just kind of felt, okay, we just feel like this is what God wants us to do. And so here we are on September 24th, sitting on a plane, getting ready to fly back to, to Southern California to Heritage. And, like, and it was just like when we arrived in, in, in Cape Town. It's like, what are we doing here? Why did we come here? What, what, I've made the big mistake. This is wrong. And like I'm sitting on this, on this plane, September 24th, and God said, you know, it's a public holiday, right? I said, yeah. He said, you know what public holiday it is, right? In South Africa, they have a lot of public holidays. That's one thing we learned about the culture there. So anyone want to guess what the public holiday was in South Africa on September 24th when Anne Margaret and I boarded a plane to come back to Heritage? Anybody want to guess? It was Heritage Day. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, okay, God, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. Um, I'm like a little heavy-handed. Um, but I, I just want to, this morning, I want to give us a chance to respond because God may, you know, it may be, it's sometimes when you're in transition, it's hard to see that you're in transition. Sometimes you're in transition, you're just kind of panicking and freaking out and you're like, what's going on? But I think God wants us to realize, hey, you're in transition and I'm taking you somewhere. And can you hold on to me? Can you trust me? So I want to ask everyone to bow your head and close your eyes because I want us to respond to God in this, in this time. I want us to, I don't want to just, you know, entertain uh, a sermon for a while and then go home, but I want us to respond. And you may have been sort of like, you know, like when Paul, when, when, 
when the Holy Spirit asked Paul, how, how can you kick against the goads? And it may be that God's been wanting to do something in your life recently. And it may, it may be that God chose to do it through, you know, your church being in crisis or your nation being in crisis or your family being in crisis or your business being in crisis. And you've just been like railing against God saying, man, I don't like this. I don't want this. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to, I think it's time that we need to repent for where we've resisted what God wanted to do. You know, this, nothing happens outside of, outside of him. And so I want to give you an opportunity right now that is, if you feel like, man, I, I have been kicking against God. I have been complaining about what God's been doing. I have been fighting it. And now I realize I, I have to, I have to repent and say, and I have to say, God, do what you want to do. I have to yield myself to him, just like Isaiah did, man. Isaiah must have been thinking, man, I love you, Isaiah. He's my cousin. Even though, he, even though he didn't end very well, he was still everything I knew. But, man, God, we want what you want. If you need to repent before him, then would you do that? To say, man, God, I, I'm sorry if I've resisted you. I'm sorry if I've, you know, complained and murmured and questioned I'm sorry if I thought I knew better than you I repent and I say God where you go I'll go where you want to lead me I'll go and even if it's uncomfortable I'll go because I know that on the other side there are good things waiting for me there are surprises waiting for me There is the kingdom, your kingdom, not mine, waiting for me. And then there's another group of people I want to give you an opportunity to respond to what God may be doing this morning. And you might be here this morning and you have never given your life to Jesus. And somehow, some way, God brought you here this morning but you've lived for yourself. You've lived to do things your way. And God is like, he's like, he's like tapping you on the shoulder right now. He's saying it's time. It's time to give your heart to Jesus. It's time to give your life to Jesus. It's time to say, I'm yours, God. It's time to lay down your life and pick up Jesus. If that's you this morning, you've never given your heart to Jesus and you want to get saved this morning, you want to know that you're saved, will you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. You've never given your heart to Jesus. You feel like God's calling you this morning. You know that this is your moment to get saved, to give your heart to him. You know that you're a sinner who needs forgiveness. If that's you, you've never given your heart to Jesus, will you lift your hand? I want to pray for you. It'll never get easier than this. The time will never be better than right now. And God is tapping you on the shoulder. And you have a choice. Are you going to respond and say yes to him? Or are you going to ignore him and keep doing things your way? Let me ask you, how has doing things your way turned out for you?
Is there anyone here that says, yes, I want to give my heart to Jesus? Yes. There's no one. Is there a lady back there? Okay, we're going to pray for you back there. And then um, there's another group of people, and you have been, you just haven't been living for God at all. And you need to recommit your life to Jesus. You know that you've backslidden, you've walked away, and now it's time to get right with Jesus again. If that's you, will you raise your hand? Okay, we, I see those hands. I'm going to pray for those two groups of people. I'm going to ask that if you're a, a leader, an elder, if you're a, uh, you know, that you keep an eye out for those hands so we can go to those people and pray with them directly. Um, but I want to pray. I want, I want to ask you to pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, every, I want everybody to just pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I realize I'm a sinner. And then I need Jesus. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive my sins and to write my name in the book of life. I lay my life down before you and I make a decision to follow you from this day forward. Lord, make me your disciple. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. Thank you for listening.